Hello. Good Hello. evening to you and good afternoon to me. Hello, yes. Uh, this is the X and Y podcast and we are back together again. That's uh, Joseph and me, Justin, in Japan. And uh, I did a very brief recommendation uh, the other day about uh, a brilliant book, which I'm about three quarters of the way through called The Rational Male. Uh, I couldn't remember the author's name the other day, but his name is Rolo Tomasi. And um, I, uh, I've since discovered the book was uh, written in 2013 and um, as relevant as ever. Seven years ago isn't really that long ago. And uh, today we're going to uh, critique it. We're going to discuss it. Uh, and it's great to have you back, Joseph. How have you been? Um, I'm very well. As you know, I've uh, changed job and industry. And uh, I'm, I'm in the... Uh, the uh, macho world of uh, truck driving which has uh, actually been brilliant um i really enjoy it because i'm just dealing with men all the time and uh we there's no drama no fuss we just get on with the job um uh, but as i said to you uh, before although i really enjoy it i enjoy it as a single male because it, it is hard graft and um, or work it's hard work and uh i'm you know, I am 60 now, uh, and when I get home after a 12 or 14 hour shift, I'm physically exhausted, definitely. Uh, but if I was younger and I had a, a an understanding wife and kids who just keep moaning and groaning and, you know, about they want more and more um, uh, items for the house or they want to go on this holiday or this weekend, I wouldn't be happy with the job. It's only because... I'm earning my money and it goes straight in my pocket and I've just got my bills to pay and that's it. Um, so from that point of view, I'm, I'm having a great time. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I was talking to a friend the other day um, in Australia, in Mel- Melbourne, Australia, and he's uh, he lost his job uh, at a law firm because of the COVID crisis and um, he was unemployed for five months. And he's... Um, He's sort of somewhere in his mid-50s and um, he's got a labouring job um, on, a, on a council contract. And um, yeah, he said the same as what you said, that it's great to be with a bunch of blokes doing manual work um, without any uh, drama, without any fuss, without any uh, distractions. And very satisfying, despite having a low salary and in fact in your case of course um, I don't know how without you don't need to tell us exactly how much you're earning but I mean how does that compare to say an average salary well let's just say I'm very very happy yeah that's that's really good you know know, at the end of the day um, I mean I I walked into this you know the actual job consists about 20% truck driving the rest of it is like logistics and getting because it's a parcel delivery firm this particular depot delivers like over a hundred thousand parcels a day, and like to dep- not to door to door. This is to depot to depot. So we, we send one warehouse to another, and then they then they'll send it out to like, in the little cars. So um, so a lot has there's a lot of possibilities that get things going wrong. There's drivers that don't turn up as well, so we get a temporary driver, which I was. But fortunately, I was a cab driver before this. Before that, I was a dispatch driver and, and a parcel driver. So I've been in the industry in and out sort of a long time, and I know my way around. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm more than happy with the money. Like, I'm, I'm very, very happy with the money for, really? for what I do. For what I do, basically. That's I'm fantastic. Happy, yeah. You know, so, uh, well, as you say, if you haven't got, uh, if it's all going to you and on, on what mm. you want to do, then um, yeah, that's. I mean that increases the your your earnings in yeah. theory, you know, because you're mm. not it's not going straight out um, on other things. But anyway, yeah, we're here today to talk about the book, the Rational Male, which I personally um, absolutely love. And I have to say thanks again to Joseph here who uh, gifted me the book on um, Amazon Audio Audible, isn't it? And because uh, I'm, yeah, Audible, I'm yeah. that's right. These days I prefer audio books personally. Um, mm. I can listen while I'm driving or doing housework or whatever. And mm. um, I'm, at, I think the book's brilliant. Um, 
I actually only have really one criticism of it, and um, and that's the audio version. I'm not that keen on the guy reading it, the narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But and some of his pronunciations and and some of his. <laughs> Well, the one, the one, one I find irksome is hi, how does he say hypergamy? Is it? Is that? A... Well, he he pronounces it hypergamy, um, which yeah, we would yeah. say hypergamy. Hi, but I, I've heard, yeah, I saw Rolo Tomasi in an interview uh, the other day on uh, YouTube for the first time, mm. uh, and first time seeing Rolo Tomasi talk, and he doesn't say hypergamy; he says hypergamy. But we are getting pedantic here, and if you are mm. reading the paper version or the Kindle version, if you're reading it yourself without anybody mm. narrating it, um, mm. then yes, you um, you pronounce the words uh, according to what, what suits you best, of course. But yeah. uh, anyway, um, I think the book's brilliant and I think it is it should be essential reading for basically men of all ages. I think, that, that, uh, like with all of this, the younger the man, the more um, benefit he'll get from it. Mm, mm. Um, but um, if I think there's one, there's one thing I would like to add um, because uh, let's not by any stretch of the imagination do I think all males are perfect. Okay, there are a lot of like real wankers out there and treat their women really, really bad as well. And and it, 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 there's a lot of this that could just apply to making yourself a wholesome human being. Indeed. You have, yeah, you know, like, you, you, you know, you've got the wanker male and, you know, beats his wife or whatever, you know, that needs to, and she needs to stand up to him, you know, like, and, and so, so it can apply, although it's, it's, this is mainly meant for, for men, but there, there are certain aspects of it because obviously we, we've know we've know we know women that have had hard times with men, like in life. Um, and and it can be applied to to them as well, you know. But I, overall, it's it's a it's a male book. I agree, and I think mm. that um, I, I I was thinking something similar to what you just said, in the sense that some of what he says is simply human nature that could apply to either men or women. Definitely, mm. there are aspects of what he says which could apply to men or women. But as you say, the book is essentially or wholly for men about mm. um, gender dynamics and such like. I I mean, he, he does mention things that are basically, he mentions things like the manosphere and stuff like that. But he, mm. he is, um, I mean, I think he's, he's well qualified. He's... Um, He's also some sort of counsellor, therapist, psych. He, he, I think he's a beha- behavioural psychologist. I think right. Is what he yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there is. Um, I think that's what Jordan Peterson is as well. So um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and it must. I must say that this this guy has done for me and relationships what Jordan Peterson did for me and life. If you know, it was that that much of a of a revelation. And it, and the same with Jordan Peterson. It wasn't that I didn't know all this. It was about connecting the dots and about how it's articulated. Yeah, that's right. And he does make that point. He opens the book mm. um, with the, the prologue. He, uh, mm. he says something about um, this is really about connecting the dots. Because mm. as you say, as, especially as you go through life and you, you become wiser and you, you've, you've got more experience of life or more observations, mm. you, we, do, we do start to figure things out. We, we get mm. older and wiser, which is just yeah, yeah. pretty normal. Mm. But as he, as he says, uh, I certainly have found people like Jordan Peterson and people like this uh, Rolo Tomasi, this book, I certainly ha- it has helped me connect certain dots, as he's mm. put it, mm. and it's not only books like you know Twelve Rules for Life and The Rational Male, but it's also talking to like-minded men who are red-pilled, red-pilled men. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's sharing information, it's uh, sharing experiences, and it's. You know, it's you know, you 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 and I have both mentioned these epiphanal moments. I mean, we've had them whereby 
we've suddenly had our sort of eureka moment and we mm. think we figured it all out. Well, we never really figure everything out. Nobody's suggesting no. that, that you know it all, but I'm just talking about in terms of gender dynamics relationships and the mistake. I mean, I said to you earlier in a phone call um, that uh, I do get flashbacks. I do. I get flashbacks mm. from my whole life. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. Not this, this, this book certainly did that for me. That's right. Like, I, in, in, in as much as saying, God, that's what I did, or that's what I said, or, you know. And do you know the amazing thing is, is that, uh, the, and, and there'll be lots of men who, who've done the same thing, that we're from different backgrounds, different cultures, different countries, different this, and yet it still applies. Yeah, that's right. It's definitely, I, I feel it is universal. He does make mm. that point, I think, in the book as well. And it is universal. And mm. I, I, I have these conversations, especially living in a foreign country. And of course, if you, mm. live, in, if you live in London, you, you meet all kinds of people from all backgrounds. But mm. um, I think this is a point that um, I try to make to people, that when you strip away the veneer of culture, you mm. are essentially left with pretty much the, the same human basics of um, behavior uh, emotions yeah. and mm. needs you know mm. and um, and you're only going to find that out with traveling to be honest yeah i mean you are i, I mean think, as yeah, I said, not, not even you know not even like you know traveling to a, a, an all-inclusive resort i mean proper traveling you know like where yeah. you either live there or you you know you backpack or like i motorcycle for a lot of countries you know and um, you're only going to find that out, like when you just expose yourself, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, well, well, let's get on to you wanted to read because uh, you you like the book so much. You you had, did you listen to it first? Is that how you? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, no, I, uh, I don't know. I had a lot of credits on um, Audible, and uh, so I I, uh, I I bought one book, and I thought it was a bit wet for me, and and I was just and. And I, it just had a load of five star ratings, like, and I kept I was reading it all through, and it was just a random choice, really. It wasn't there wasn't anybody recommended to it. So you know, as I do a lot of driving, uh, I like to listen to books, and I, the, I, I did listen to it once, but um, I've listened to it quite a few times because obviously I concentrate more on my driving than I do listening. And if someone's going to talk to me like in the warehouse or something like that, I pull the earplug out and it will just continue playing. I might have missed a bit. So, and and now I'm just hitting random chapters. I just hit a random chapter, and I think I want to. And and I, I keep finding things that I've either forgotten about or it's re re stimulated. Uh, you know, part of, part of my memory. Uh, I keep finding new things all the time, and I don't know how many times I've listened to it, but it's been a good few times. You know, so I'm constantly listening to it. Uh, and 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 it's also it's also to, important to emphasise, uh, like with Jordan Peterson, we're not fanboys. I don't agree with every single thing that this guy says or Jordan Peterson says, you know. But overall, the you know bigger picture type thing, uh, it, it's it's just very very true. It has a lot of truth in it. Yeah, I agree with that. I I, I would say the same. I mean, we uh, I I I wouldn't say that I a hundred percent agree with everything I've heard. Um, mm. but I think, um, most of what he says makes sense. And like you said, I've had flashbacks to, um, to relationships I've had and to important or pivotal moments in some relationships and, mm. um, especially the, the two marriages that failed. Mm. But, um, I can think of not only the marriages, but, you know, um, various interactions with women that may not have even been relationships that some, yeah. of, some of what he says now makes sense to me um, mm. and you know you 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 register this behavior and you're what you're wise mm. to it but you don't always understand the bigger picture and it's that is what no. you were just saying it's the bigger picture mm. of human behavior so that leads yeah. us on to one thing that we did we have discussed in the past and we were discussing earlier from the uh, a rather pedantic point is the hypergamy. Now you've bought the Kindle version of this book and you've highlighted yeah. a few lines. So mm. did you want to read some quotes? Yeah, I'll, I'll read it. And this, this goes back to, um, he, he said that the most common words he hears from newly divorced men is a version of, I never saw this coming in my wildest dreams, right? We, we were married for X amount of years. We have four kids how could she be over me so quickly? And I remember that from my middle marriage. 
Yeah, I just because I put you know like you, I put for university, blah this and blah that. She ran off with somebody else. Well, it was a friend actually, and I just never saw it coming. And uh, it, uh, it was a version of I'm not going to exaggerate like I'm some sort of battle hardened soldier, but it was a version of PTSD. I mean, if you see pictures of my face, it was like tall and white. You know, I was just I was in shock uh, basically. And um, and and what he says is it's the lack of understanding of the basics of. Uh, hypergamy and it's exactly why men are blindsided and if you want I'll continue now go on then yep okay uh, hypergamy doesn't care how great a father you are to your kids hypergamy doesn't care how you rearrange your college majors and career choices in life to better accommodate her hypergamy doesn't care how inspired or fulfilled you feel as a stay-at-home dad hypergamy doesn't care that you moved across four states to accommodate your long-distance relationship. Hypergamy doesn't care how supportive you've always been of her decisions or if you identify as a male feminist. Hypergamy doesn't care about the sincerity of your religious convictions or aspirations of high purpose. Hypergamy doesn't care about those words you said at your wedding. Hypergamy doesn't care about how you funded her going back to college to find a more rewarding career. Hypergamy doesn't care how great a guy you are for adopting the children she had with other men. Hypergamy doesn't care about your divine and forgiving nature in excusing her youthful indiscretions. Hypergamy doesn't care your magnanimity in assuming responsibility for her student loans and credit card debt after you're married. Hypergamy doesn't care if he was your best friend. Hypergamy doesn't care about the coffee in bed you bring her or how great cook you are. Hypergamy doesn't care about all those chick flicks you sat through with her and claimed to like. Hypergamy doesn't care about how well you do, do your part of the household chores. Hypergamy doesn't care about how much her family or friends like you. Hypergamy doesn't care if you think you're a good guy or about how convincing your argument is for your sense of honour. Hypergamy doesn't care whether your children are biologically yours or not. Hypergamy doesn't care if she was drunk he was cute, and one thing led to another. Hypergamy doesn't care how sweet, funny, or intellectual you are. Hypergamy doesn't care if you never saw it coming. Hypergamy doesn't care if you're bitter. And that, to me, how many, how many of those statements there did, did you align yourself with? <laughs> In, indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I would say most of those. And, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously not the feminist bit, but uh, yeah. certainly um, I would say about two-thirds of those I could apply yeah. to mm. my, um, my past relationships. And, and uh, even, to, to, I mean, maybe not as a political feminist, but as an equal rights advocate. I, I could I could identify with sure. that as well, yeah. you know, but not not the political side of feminism, you know, but um, but because it, you know, I guess back in the day it was it wasn't as strong as it is now, but but now when you you know when you your eyes have been opened, so to speak, you know, and you really start to look around, you 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 you're not willfully blind anymore. That's right. You know, yeah. You 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 look and you see and you watch and. Well, uh, yeah, I think, and we talked before about like when when we were discussing MGTOW, for example, and mm. um, the and the fact that and there's been a swing towards um, perhaps even a swing amongst a lot of young men now with the MGTOW and the so-called uh, incels and all that lot. That um, there seems to be certainly a swing like a, an equal and opposite reaction to feminism in the sense that um i mean i don't know what what it's what is going to you know men's rights movement is not really or men's rights uh is not really uh the way to describe it because i think that's mm. fair habit just wanting rights for men that they don't have is perfectly okay but there is certainly an undercurrent of misogyny that has now taken hold in a lot of young men. And I mm. think they are bitter and they are resentful and um, they um, are just reacting to decades of misandry, decades of... Well, 
men, you, you got you know exactly. I mean, you, you got you know this is pumped into them at school. A lot of I think I think I read and I, I don't quite remember this, but I think I read in the UK fifty percent of young boys are raised by single mothers, right? So you've got so you've got that going on. And if you got you know if you've got a single mother and a sister or a couple of sisters, you're in deep shit. Yeah, and and you know then you've got the whole thing with the whole um, institutionalized misandric uh, education system and the and the court system, right? So so what what benefit of you is it of, for you? To, to work your ass off, whether it's studying or starting your own business or starting a, um, uh, not career, um, a trade, you know, a plumber or, or whatever, what benefit is it to you to start at a very young age uh, on all these paths if you know that if you do split up with somebody, you haven't got a chance and everything you ever work for is going to be taken away from you? That's right. And I think that's what young men are seeing. Mm. And... Um, some of them are plugged into the the matrix, so to speak. Um, and uh, and and by the way, in the book, the, the rational male, uh, not only is the red pill analogy used, it's also the, the being plugged into the matrix um, mm. is, which is, of course is all part of taking the red pill and then they're unplugging. But I mean. Mm. He talks about the red pill and the blue pill, and it's interesting that he mentions that um, that how some men they take the red pill and then they feel that they they can't cope with it, and they want to they can't cope with the reality of being mm. red pilled, and they actually want to take the blue pill uh, mm. after they've taken the red pill, and he reckons that actually you can't go back once you're red pilled. I think once you've let the genie out of the bottle, I think it's it's a bit like if uh, like me for instance, I started I started working in a dress factory when I was sixteen, and um, you know I had no qualifications, no education, and I still haven't no academic education, and um, and that was my life. That's why I got married so young. You know, a lot of people, a lot of kids my age did. You know, like I got married so young. You know, work in a factory. That's where you're going to work for the rest of your life. Clock in, clock out. Uh, and and but I, I I deep down I knew that there must be something else out there. I didn't know because also don't forget it was a very very different society in, in the seventies. This was just just at the birth of punk rock, just when it started seventy six. Yeah, in this country. So so um, and I knew there was something else, but I I sort of knuckled down because culturally that's what I was supposed to do and this that and the other. But you you always know that you know you think there's something else. Now the thing is. Once you le- once you let the genie out the bottle, you can't put it back. It's not like um, it's not like you know if you work out, your muscles go uh, you know your muscles go flabby afterwards. Yeah, once you've expanded the mind, it's not like a muscle. It's not like a physical. Mu- it doesn't go back. That's right. And and yeah, he he was saying that the people that he despises the most are the guys that red pill, but then now claim that they want that they've rejected the red red pill philosophy mm. and claim that they um, essentially are trying to um, affect a blue pill attitude. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's, I think he says something about those are the people he hates the most or something, which is mm. like, uh, totally um, understandable. Um, mm. But I think, yeah, the, the... Well, because that comes, to me, that comes under cowardice. That's right. Yeah, so you know, because like, I don't like cowards, and, and this, I'm not talking about a battle-hardened veteran that goes to what I'm, what I'm talking about is like these these liberals that we have now. They they can only debate on mass against one or two people and shout you down. Yeah, right? that's all they can do. They can't do anything else because they they haven't been taught to debate. They haven't been taught that you know to think for themselves. They've that's... been railroaded into a box to press multiple choice questions. And yeah. get you know uh, you know whereas we, when we were at school, I, I don't know if you remember when when we was at school, the teachers used to say, "We don't just want to see your answer; we want to see you're working out how you got that answer." That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like now it's just like press this box. It's just to pass an exam. It's not about thinking things through. Yeah, indeed. And you've reminded me of the uh, 
the sheepdog quote from Douglas Murray. What was that? That, mm. that was a good one. Tell me that one again. Well, what he said, uh, he said, we, we've reached a society, uh, and I, I think it was another recent furor over there. It might have been about Lawrence Fox. I can't remember. But he said, he said, the analogy is, he says, if you ever watch Collie Dogs or Sheepdogs, uh, uh, UK ones, I don't know if they do it anywhere else, they, they, they herd these sheep into pens. They never actually attack the sheep. They never nip their ankles or anything. They don't, they, they make no physical contact. They just, they sort of go around the edges and they give a little bark here and a little bark there. And then the sheep are like really nervous and they get, they get herded into this pen with no physical contact whatsoever. And so what he's saying is that that's how we've become. We're frightened to open our mouths now because we're worried. There's actually, there's no physical reason for a person not to say something. Yeah. It's just that they're worried about what someone might say or might think of them. And this is a big brother complex. It's not, it's not, people seem to think big brother is like a, some cute computerized uh, dystopia. It's not, it's about thought police. And it is, it is, it is um, media. It is um, technology in a way, because it's mass media. But they're saying you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't do this. I mean, you, you saw what happened with Lawrence Fox and uh, Ricky Gervais. You know the furor that, that, that it caused, and all, all they were doing was speaking the truth. Yeah, that's nobody right. wants to know the truth. Nobody wants to know the truth anymore. I speak my mind. People know that I'm 60 years old. I don't know how long I got on the planet. I don't give a fuck either. Yeah, but you know, but but I will speak my mind because I was oppressed by this way of thinking for so many years, and it's only just come to light um, that you know that, that that I've started to think about it the way I used to. Um, how can I say, the way I used to es escape from it, as you, as you know, I did a lot of motorbike riding through Europe and camping in woods and things like that. I don't do uh, drugs. I don't drink, you know, so that, that was my escapism. And, and I also think one of the reasons that people drink and do drugs is to, to escape. That's what it is. It's to escape the reality because they're so shit scared of, of speaking their minds. Yeah, the the just uh, the talking about the the drink and drugs thing that um, mm. a big one I've as I understand it from the psychologist types is that uh, if you if you drink like I I really enjoy drinking beer, but for example, if you're drinking uh, not to enjoy what you're drinking or taking drugs not to enjoy whatever it is, but you're actually doing it to escape. Because um, there are two reasons why somebody might drink alcohol. And mm. people either drink alcohol for just to socialise and enjoy the experience, mm. or they drink alcohol to escape from the, uh, the realities of yeah. life that have become overwhelming for them hmm. and um, and it's the same with drugs and it could be this um and you could, you could say, say it with food you, yeah your comfort that's eating. right i mean you could say you could say it with speeding cars i mean you know whatever the whatever the addiction is that's right that i was going to say is whatever hmm. it is it's it, it could be any kind of addiction to gambling's another one yeah that's the one yeah, yeah. Mm. but mm. um you've also uh you also mentioned um something else I was going to say when you were talking about the book and he said this is I thought this was a very good point he made in the book and that was that the in the 1960s with the invention of the um, birth control pill the, the um, oral contraceptive for women um, that was the that was women's that was a sexual revolution and supposedly women's emancipation and um, what he said was he likened that to the um, the, the internet revolution, if you like, and what's happened with the internet and uh, social media and you know smartphones and all the rest of it, the technological uh, revolution that we've seen has mm. been a kind of emancipating for men because men are not naturally um, good at networking and sharing information amongst each other. Do, um, do, you think that's, do you think that's the truth? Because don't forget, for years and years and years, women, like, they sort of had coffee mornings and, you know, they, they, they had this spare time. 
That's right. You know, coffee, they, yeah. you know, whereas men didn't, they just got me working, you know. So yeah. it might have just been a cultural thing where, you know, men didn't have a chance to, to, to sit down. I mean, I think you mentioned this once before, that the pub was, that, wasn't was just yeah. about drinking. It was about when, where men went to, you know, get, get a load off their chest or have a chat or, or whatever sort of thing. Um, and But whereas I, I think that men do communicate, but culturally... Uh, not just by outside uh, influences, you know, like like physical things, like places to meet and that, but also uh, culturally, we weren't encouraged to talk. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but I agree with you. And but what the what the technological revolution has done in, with the, especially with the internet, it's it's allowed anonymity. Um, so men who previously didn't really want to show uh, a side to them like because if you talk about your certain certain aspects of your relate you know relationship issues your certain aspects of your private life be it your health your, and, and just your feelings even mm, mm. um it isn't a masculine thing to do um but what, mm. what the internet has done is it's it's because it's allowed anonymity um, it means men c- are not embarrassed to share information and just ask basic questions. Mm. Whether whether the question is, um, uh, you know, something like uh, I've got a, f- a strange rash on my dick, or whether mm. it's something like why why has she withdrawn sex from the relationship? You know, it's mm. whatever it is. Uh, mm. I don't think men really like to discuss these things. Um, out in the open and uh, it's you know but where where, whereas women will discuss intimate details of their relationships with other women so Mm. um, with uh, face to face without anonymity so I think this is what uh, he didn't he didn't actually uh, say it exact uh, give details like I've just given he just felt that he just touched on it in, in like one paragraph or something in a book. That, but I think that that's if you want to look into the, re, the, the, the more detail as to how the, the mechanisms of that, I think that's what's happened because mm. men are sharing information, and we've also got a younger generation who have grown up in the internet age. Uh, we did and not, not, ju- not just that, that they, they also be brought up with. Uh, when I was brought up, it was, uh, I don't know if you, you must have heard the expression, little children must be seen and not heard. Whereas yeah. I think kids are given more of a ex- chance to express themselves now. That's right. And also, um, also we, you know, bo- boys mustn't cry, boys don't cry. Well, I still think that should stand by that. I don't think mm. boys should, uh, they, boy, well, I, I wish women would as well. But I mean, I think it, it is better to try to con- contain yourself and control your emotions. And uh, mm. I mean, I've said to, to my son uh, here in Japan, I've said to him, um, well, I could see him, he, he hold it a, a few years back, he, he had something, um, he really got hurt. Uh, somebody attacked him at school and um, mm. hurt him a couple of years ago. And he had a terrible injury. And um, he didn't cry. Uh, well, and he, he, I mean, I was obviously worried about him. He looked really bad, this injury. And um, so we're driving home in the car and I'm talking to him about it. And um, the, the, for him, the most important thing was to tell me that he didn't cry. And I thought that was quite interesting. Mm. Um, so he's 11. Now. He would have been nine years old at the time. So um, I think, you know, that when... I think it's when boys get to about, um, I would say from my observations, that it is around eight years old that boys start to feel pressure um, not to uh, express their emotions. Um, Mm. And um, as I said, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think we should be expressing our emotions like women do, uh, Mm. because that is a feminine trait. And um, I also think that um, something else that I found fascinating that he said in the book, and I've heard this uh, from Peterson as well, and that is, well, Peterson gives the age as about four years old. Uh, Rollo Tomasi says about five years old. But he Mm. says that um, basically 
um, that uh, people's characters are molded by the time they get in. in Rolo says by the time they get to five years old. Peterson mm. says it's says it's established at four years old. By the way, here in Japan, they say it's three years old. It's quite interesting. And mm. um, they, um, that, but we know it's around that age. And he says that uh, Rolo Tomasi was saying that the gender dynamic is well and truly at play with uh, kids of five years old. And girls mm. know how to manipulate, um, but not just boys, but... Um, you know, they, they, but it's generally they know how to manipulate males because it could be men as mm. well. When they get to five years old, girls know how to manipulate males because, of course, other girls see through it um, and they know it's a load of crap. Um, mm. But uh, I found, found that quite interesting. I was talking to, a, um, I was talking to a, a young woman the other day here in Japan who's, um, she wants to be, um, she wants to go into um, education and be a teacher. And mm. um, we were discussing a few things about and how to become a teacher and the tests and, and get the license and all that. And uh, I asked her and I said, do you learn any psychology, especially child psychology, as part of your course? And they don't. Mm. And I said to her, well, I don't really see how any anybody can become a teacher without studying human psychology especially um child psychology um but they don't teach it and i think this is a shocking failure of uh, the education system that mm. the, the the teachers don't really um and, and, and unless they've got the observations and intelligence or wisdom but, but if they're if they're young people and they're mostly young women going into teaching these mm. days, and they're totally, here. yeah, yeah, mm. they're, they're totally oblivious um, to um, human psychology and, and behaviour. Um, that's that's another point there. Actually, it's not. It's also they they haven't got the male role male role models in school either, because the majority of especially the younger ages that the teachers are women. That's right. This is a big issue, isn't it? And it's well publicised mm. now. That, but um, mm. there is a, a school of thought uh, that, um, or, or uh, you know, a, a, a quite a big opinion on this. That mm. one of the reasons men um, have sh have shied away from a career in uh, teaching uh, school, becoming a school teacher, is because of a feminist trope that uh, started whenever that started about, you know, basically suggesting that all men are rapists and all men are child molesters. Mm -hmm. And I think the hysteria uh, surrounding and the suspicion that all men um, come under uh, when they're with kids has mm. just, they just think, no way, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be... I, I, I feel that way. As you know, I, I, I take photographs as well, but I'm very wary if I'm out in public and there's going to be a kid in my photograph. I, you know, I'm very wary of that um, because, again, it's the sheepdog, you know, it's a sheepdog uh, um, analogy. Um, it, and, like, it's just, it's one of those crimes, paedophilia is one of those crimes where you're guilty till proved innocent. And and even when you are proved innocent, you're still tarnished. That's right. Yeah, mud sticks, and it's mm. uh, it's definitely the case. And I think that I mean, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but this week there was a in in the UK or last week I read it, a woman uh, teacher. She got I think she got jailed for she plied a fifteen year old with sweets and chocolates and shagged him in a hotel, and uh, and two divorcee mothers killed their kids as well. Yeah, I saw some of the news regarding mm. things like that, and the the um, it reminds me of a story years ago where my cousin um, was taking, I think he was taking piano lessons, mm. and he quit. He wanted to get. He complained to his mother, my aunt, that he wanted mm. to give up piano lessons, and she was talking mm. about this with us, and um, she said that he wanted to give up piano lessons because. Um, the other kids were were um, laughing at him and watching him. Mm. So 
my I think my my mother was there as well in this conversation, and um, she said, "Well, why why this is a private lesson? So why how is it that they're able to see him in his piano lesson?" And um, the my aunt said that they have to they're not allowed to be alone in a room with them anymore. They have to have the door no, open. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because they have the door open to the music mm. room, um, mm. the, that means the if other he, kids can look through and see what's going on and listen. So if, and, if, yeah. if he, yeah, if he plays a bum note, it's uh, yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter even if he's, if he's, even if the child's good at playing the piano, mm, the kids mm. will just, you know, kids, kids just will just kids. be kids and they'll just have fun, mm. you know. So, he gave up piano lessons. I mean, this is the kind of tragedy that you never know. You might have had a future virtuoso pianist. You might have had somebody who could have gone on to greater things. You might, well, mm-hmm. you just got somebody who's now given up on something really cut, you know, cultural and and very uh, a very interesting, um, be it a hobby or or pursuit, and yet. You know you can't have this anymore because mm, mm. that the te- that the male teacher is not allowed to be alone in the room mm. with a boy learning a piano. Now I remember mm. when I was at school, I actually um, we didn't have that rule, um, but I um, I wanted to play guitar, and I mm. was uh, I remember going into the music room alone with the guitar teacher, and mm. I actually wasn't comfortable with him he never did anything at all he didn't mm, do anything mm. at all to, i'm not suggesting he, he did anything but mm. he he was probably gay he, fit, he seemed gay to me and yeah, I, yeah. Mm. I felt very uncomfortable as a mm. 11 12 year old boy mm. alone in a room with this um overtly gay man mm. um mm. in such close proximity and as mm. i said to you he never did anything at all, so I, I'm not suggesting. It was, if you like, it was true homophobia. I was scared of being alone mm. with a gay man at mm. that age. You know, I wouldn't mm. be scared of it necessarily now, but uh, having said that, um, at the time, um, it wasn't something, and that was my decision. I said to my father, mm. I don't want to do it because mm. um, I, I don't know what excuse I gave, but I didn't like the teacher. So yeah. um, that was my choice. But... Um, this incidental guess let's get back to the book by the way um yeah the... I, I, well i wanted to bring up about that hypergamy is uh some guys they get bitter about it and um it, it's important to understand that uh this is innate it's not something women turn on it's not it's not something they've decided to adopt you're talking about millions of years of evolution here That's you know right. it's mm. like you know they're, they're going to go for the <laughs> The, the the warrior the the lead the leader of the tribe or or the you know or you know all this sort of thing so it, it it's no good being bitter about it yeah what what, what you got to do is just get on with your life do the best you can in life and that, that's all you got to do you don't have to live up to other people's expectations well I think to use modern parlance you you got to own it you know you, yeah yeah um, that's right yeah you know that these that women are hypergamous and you mm. uh, I suppose just thinking about it Joe um, we, we should just clarify what we're talking about because there could be people that are not aware of what it means so mm. hypergamy uh, well the dictionary um, uh, the dictionary definition is simply marrying above your status Mm. Um, to, to not, very... not necessarily, not necessarily financial status either. That's right. Yeah, it, mm. it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, that's right. Just above your status. Mm. So women are innately um, looking to um, partner with. Uh, it, it could be uh, because it could be for procreation, or mm. um, it could be simply for provision, um, mm. and they're looking to partner with somebody who is better. Uh, than or the best that they can find, and certainly, and, and, also, and also to show off to their friends as well. Look at my man. Look at him. He's a guitar player. He's a uh, banker. He's a whatever he is. You know, they they want to they want to display to their, their friends. That's right. There's definitely the social status aspect um, to mm. this as well. Yes, um, and it's uh, it. W- one of the things you get in Japan is, I mean, they are. They don't. When I looked in the dictionary, there wasn't even a word for it in Japan because it's it's such a normal 
assumed thing to do. They well, don't hypergamy. Yes. Um, do, do you know it's actually an Indian? I I read that it's an Indian word, Hindu word, because of the uh, because of the caste system. That's interesting. That that would make sense. Yeah. Hmm. Well, in Japan, they um, it's such a normal uh, thing, it's such a given that that's what women do that mm. um, they don't even feel the need. It's not even something that needs to be discussed. It's just a presum- mm. it's, it's just it's a presum- given. Yeah. It's a given. So mm. um, when I have mentioned it to people, because it isn't in my dictionary, my Japanese mm. dictionary, the word, but um, you, they, somebody the other day looked it up online. And, and when I, this guy, he's, um, he's, what is he? He's uh, in his mid, late fifties. And, um, I mentioned this to him, and he said to me, um, he looked it up, and he said, oh, okay, um, he said, well, that's just normal thing that women do. He just didn't understand yeah, yeah. why it was, there was any need and, to and, and in, in a way, he's right. Well, to, he is to, right. To be yeah. yeah, yeah, he's right. You know, I mean, that, that's what, you know, they want to provide, despite all their, well, they're probably not so much in Japan, but despite all their screaming and, and everything else about equal rights and this, this that, and the other, uh, it's like, um, I can be a woman when I want to be, but you've always got to be a man, regardless. It's, it's you know, that's what that's what equality was brought to the table. It's not that we're equal, it's like, you know, what what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine as well. That's right. And I think the, um, I think we, it's, it's something essential that men it, it need to be in Western culture, they need to be made aware at an early age, mm. that w- women are hypergamous. And mm. um, that's what the that's what you need to understand in the gender mm. dynamic and when you're looking at relationships. And mm. um, yeah, so basically it's marrying above your status or, or just partnering above your status. Mm. And it could be social, it's, it's financial, uh, it could be um, for, for better DNA. Because I remember... Mm. Um, I remember uh, there was there's been some stuff on the internet about how, um, for example, disabled women will mm. will reject disabled guys that are equal or lesser to them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even amongst people with disabilities, women are, mm. are hypergamous. They still women are still looking for a partner who is not disabled. So a disabled woman will will, de- will always go for a, a man who is not disabled or certainly with lesser disabilities than herself. Um, yeah. And also the um, the thing with men is because men tend to be more, uh, tend to be deeper thinkers and tend to take pity in, on people more and be more compassionate than women, they, mm. um, they are more likely to... Um, go for a woman who and of course these women even if they're for example disabled or or just something not right about them whether it's just that they're ugly or whether they're just Mm. fat or whatever and this is men there will be men who are are not particularly don't particularly have anything wrong with them will go for lower status women whether Mm. and he made. I was listening, to, so I haven't finished the book yet. But he, he made a point in when I was listening this morning, and he said that there is like the expression like BBW. Uh, you know, um, yeah, there, yeah. There is not a male equivalent of things like mm. that. No, no. Um, you're just a big fat. A bit. Well, to, to just in case there's people that don't know what BBW is, fat people call themselves or fat women call themselves BBWs, which means big, beautiful woman. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some guys who do like that. It's, it's, it's a sort of kink, if you like, yeah? But on the whole, men don't like it, right? But they call themselves BBW. There is no BBM, big, beautiful man. You're just a fat bastard. That's right. And he was saying that, as you said, there are guys who go for women who are obese. There's like... Mm. He, and he, he, he cited... The um, who's that painter? Is it Rubens? Um, no, uh, go go uh, go again. Is it go- no, no, uh, it's the- it's Rubens or Rubens or something. Mm. Uh, Rubens, mm. it was. Um, and he painted um, fat women, na- naked. Oh, fat right, women. Sorry. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, mm. 
and um, you know that that's an example. Uh, I remember mm. the first time I saw his paintings. I think it was in the Tate. Mm. Um, mm. I think it's called Tate Britain now. Um, yeah, in Pimlico or somewhere. And um, he, uh, I, I remember when I saw those paintings. I was fascinated. I thought it was hilarious. I was fascinated mm. by them. Um, and I, I didn't think, well, that's gross. You know, I, mm. I mean, I don't personally. I'm not attracted to to fat women. But um, mm. I think the the fact that fat women can find men who are um, okay, I mean, not fat, they're, they're slim or, or mm. athletic or whatever. Mm. And there are men who, and, and he was saying there's an entire industry for that, you know, and there are men. But, but there, there's another side of, there's another side of the coin, because I know this personally because a family member that, uh, her boyfriend wanted to keep her fat because he was so insecure about her going off with somebody. Yeah, I've heard of that as well. Yeah, that, that's you know. that's a funny one. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, but, the, but, but go on. No, I was going to say that the 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 as you was, as we were saying the the inverse of that is that um, the you know there is not like there is not any equivalent that. Where if a man is out of shape, if mm. a man is not up to a certain standard, a physical standard, there is no um, there is no compromise with women. There is no there is mm. there is there's only ridicule and um, uh, there's only ridicule and I'm, I'm sort of getting tired, so that's why I might be slurring yeah. my speech a bit, but. Um, mm. And um, disdain is the word I want. It's ridicule and yeah, disdain. Yeah. And mm, mm. but for women, they've somehow managed to make it something that could be attractive, and it's a fetish, or that uh, there are guys that will go for that. And mm. um, you know, th this is just well. I mean, I, I personally call it female privilege, but I mean, it just shows you again the um the uphill struggle that men have compared with women well the, the, you can apply that to other things like for instance if you do something and it's you know it's to toxic masculinity right is, is one example then the other example is if you do something like i i happen to you know as big as big as and butch as i am right um i happen to really like flowers yeah i, I love gardening anyway right that's my sort of gentle side but I happen to really like flowers because they're more just more than just pretty things. They have a role in nature for, for pollinating things like that. So when I was single, uh, and like I am now, I'd often buy myself flowers in the supermarket. OK. And so when you're checking out, the girls say, well, who's the lucky lady then? I say, well, actually, they're for me. I buy myself flowers because I like flowers. Now, a lot of women, whenever you do anything like that, um, you know, uh, with, with something that's perceived as a, a feminine. Type, what, what is it? Are you in touch with your feminine side? Right, you're inside. No, it's not my fucking feminine side, it's my masculine side. Thank you very much. Yeah, because they want to always credit something positive with them. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when there are alpha women, but you never say to them, Oh, you've got in touch with your manly side or your masculine side. But the right? thing this, is, this, though, it's, this, this, it... was a, this was a this thing. I think it was uh, yeah, uh, Carl Young said something like, um. You know, we've got equal amounts of uh, masculinity and femininity and stuff. It's complete bollocks, actually, because there's a lot of major, like, generals who, uh, you know, who fought wars and read poetry and things like that. It's nothing to do with whether they got a feminine side or masculine. It's part of them. Indeed. And I think the, the just something that he mentions in the book, and I, I didn't know what the official figure was. I thought it was more, actually, but he mentions that, men have between 10 to 17 percent more testosterone than women which of course mm. is something um that is one one of the defining factors in um, uh, separating the genders but uh, mm. of course the x and y chromosome thing but um yeah also the testosterone and um he makes a point of that and is of course men do have a lot more testosterone some, and, and amongst men it, it varies mm. but i mean the the what he was saying is that men are uh, like you said um men men are supposed to get in touch with their feminine side and mm. it's this drive to like make not just um equal in some perceived sense of human rights equality mm. 
Mm. Um, but in in the like in the sense that women have had it bad and need to be mm. now their rights need to be raised up to the level of men because men have been oppressing them all that nonsense. But there's this other case of making women believe the the feminist um, ideology of the of of po- especially post war post World War Two feminist ideology mm. has basically suggested. Or, or is has indoctrinated women into mm. believing they mm. can be men if they want to be men, and I find mm. that totally amazing. And it's, it's a huge irony there because mm. the old, you know, this this um, this trope, this maxim that goes around saying, uh, gen- was it um, gender is uh, a, a social construct or something. social construct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That nonsense. Um, when in fact, what they're trying to do is they're they're trying to socially engineer, socially construct. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, they're they're the social constructionists. Yes, that's right. They're trying to what we're social... doing. What we're doing it as what we're doing in nature. And don't get me wrong, not all males are ten pint a night drinking macho. You know, that males are all di- like like women are. They're all different. We have we have male traits, but we're all different. You know, like some of us like you know a hard physical games and you know whatever and some like uh, painting and photography and then you know and some sort of more gentler pastime but to to just label us all as just male therefore you are no wrong completely wrong that's right and the as i said the 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 irony that the the actual as you were saying the actual the the social engineers the 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 social Mm. construct is making women believe they can be men Um, Mm. or in some cases, they actually say you you are we are the same. We just got different genitals, but we're actually the same. You know, That's it's just rubbish. it's it's and it's dangerous, and it's caused mm. it's caused it's probably one of the the most the the most significant, the most um, pivotal um, factors in really the decline of Western civilization. Yeah. Um, it's this idea that uh, men and women are the same, basically. And so, well, all, all great civilizations die from within. But they, they get do. Weak. They, they get weak. They get weak from within. They do. And this is to me. This is just part of that whole whole communist socialist construct. Yeah. It, it's it's a it's a, to uh, disembowel the whole the whole system that we've been brought up in. Even if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't matter. It's just, just to subdivide and so you know when they talk about the British Empire divide and rule, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's the division, 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 division until we don't know which way our elbows and our asses are, and we, we don't, which is what's happening now. And people don't know which way to turn, what to say, what's wrong, what's right. You know, and, and that's it's, what's happening. It's, it's more than that. It's the it's to me, and I've mentioned this before. It's essentially it's nihilism. It's just yeah, yeah. It's uh, exactly that. He, he brought that up in the book. Oh, where it comes across, okay. yeah. he, he says he says something like it comes. He says it may come along, it come across as nihilistic. Well, it is, and that's, that's what, what that's because yeah. they're trying to create a, dysto- a, a nihilistic dystopia so they can build again. That's what they're trying to do. But the thing is, they've got nothing to replace it with that that that. That we know works because we know mm. clearly that, for example, Marxism is a complete failure in practice. So well, we saw it for seventy years, didn't we? And well, we still we, got a country. We still, still got, got Be- Be- Belarus is still, you know, is still like the old Soviet system. Sure, and there are other countries as well. Yeah, so mm. we know that we know it's a, a downright failure, and mm. um, the fact is, yeah, it's to me. I've mentioned this before, and I came to this conclusion a few years back. We're not real. It's not even. There's no point even calling it left and right or mm. conservative and socialist or liberal. It's basically now you're just talking about um, people who are uh, or who people who advocate authoritarian um, regimes and nihilism and, and privileged privileged people as well. Yes, They're privileged. Yeah, and then people that. Um, just want to some sense of preservation and you know self-preservation 
And mm. that's essentially what it is. It's self-preservation versus nihilism, you know, in a, in, a, in a nutshell. But I think, you know, this this case that we were just saying about the uh, women, this this leftist, this feminist social construct of saying women are the same as men mm. is you don't hear it so much. You don't hear the 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 opposite of that. You don't hear so much that well, men are just can be the same as women and do what women do because mm. men are not encouraged to do become like a primary school teacher or any kind of school teacher. Men, are well, they're not, not, they're not encouraged to become cleaners, PAs, uh, yeah. um, nannies, or any of these jobs. Well, they're actively discouraged, I would say. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, um, and they get the job anyway. No, and they're not. They're not really hired for yeah for like um, nursery school um, mm. care workers or whatever. So it's it's this so this so called um, egalitarian social construct that we that women are essentially can be can be men and that's emancipation mm. for them. Um, again, it's just another example of gynocentrism. Uh, mm. In the book, he calls it femcentrism, but it's got well, mm. what I call it, and I think it's more common these days to call it gynocentrism. And mm. it's it's that's what it is. It's it, saying it's a great it's a Greek word because you say genega is is like woman. Like, that's that, right. Like, yeah. That, 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 genega. Um, so yeah, it's gynocentric, and, that, and that's what it, it all revolves around. It. And still, despite equality, yeah. They still like it's you know men have to make the sacrifice, women and children first. Uh, you expected you know, not necessarily a physical sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice in the court. You know, oh, you've got to give half your house away, all your house away. You've got to pay the maintenance. You've got to do this. You've got you know you I I'm I got properties that pay for, and I meet somebody, and she's got fuck all, and then like and we get you know we we're not, not even marriage now, it's cohabiting as well, and you expect me to live with somebody. And then give away half my shit because she decides she doesn't want to be in it anymore. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then and then all right. So I paid when I was uh, going through the, um, uh, my middle divorce. I you know I was paid. Uh, I think then it was about six. This is twenty years ago. It's sixteen thousand pounds, right? And, uh, and 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 you know people were saying to me, "You were lucky. Did you have kids?" I said, "No." You said you were lucky. You were lucky to get away with what. And I think lucky. Why the fuck? And I also had to give her twenty five thousand pounds, right? So it was, a, it was over 40 grand. But if you had the money that I lost, you know, her, her education, what I lost in work, and the, I mean, you could talk, call it 100K. And, and it, it's what's called a pyrrhic victory, right? Because, all right, uh, technically I won, yeah? And I felt like I won. I felt like I just got a murder charge or something. But it's a pyrrhic victory. And a pyrrhic victory is when you, all you, all you've expanded your resources for a very, very small victory. You know, you, you've used like, uh, um, like, I don't know. You've lost uh, ten thousand men, yeah, for a, a tiny little hill in Vietnam or something that was guarded by one hundred men. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just a, it's a ridiculous. You're made to feel like you've won, but actually you didn't win anything. Indeed, yeah. Well, listen, well, we're going to have to wrap it up, and we'll mm -hmm. do a part two on this. Yeah, uh, we'll talk again soon. So. Um, the, just to recap uh, to the listeners that there are four um, social media platforms that you can find us on and engage in a debate. And um, I'm actually willing to talk to anybody um, who wants to uh, be on the podcast if you've got something interesting to talk about. Um, mm. And the four platforms are we've got a, uh, there's an official Facebook page called Men's Broadcasting Service. And there is a MeWe group called MGTOW. Uh, there is uh, a Tumblr account called X and Y, like this podcast. And there is uh, a Parlour account called Just In Case You 812. And mm -hmm. um, the, uh, those are the four places that you can um, engage with us. Um, and, it's, and it's important to say it's a debate. If you just want to slag us off, you're just going to get ignored. Exactly, of course, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, actually, there aren't really enough people engaging, but there are... The, the audience has expanded quite a lot, by the way. Yeah, got quite mm. a few. Last time I counted, it was like uh, maybe about 15, 17 different countries. Um, mm. And um, 
quite a few listeners now. The the audience is definitely expanding, mm. and um, it's great. It's great stuff. And it's please share. You know, share. You got to share these podcasts and and um, just get other everybody. You know, expand people's minds. Get people just trying to um, you know get off the uh, state. The, the public, state, um, mass media indoctrination. You the, know, the Matrix. You know, the Matrix. Get them unplugged. Yeah. Get them red yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's still valid. And mm. we'll talk again. It's, get, it's late here. I need to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been great talking to you. I'm really glad things have actually uh, worked out for you in the end because the whole world's gone, gone through a bad period recently. Mm. Um, and I think men can cope better with the isolation than yeah. they can but men yeah. don't men do not cope well with not working and i think yeah that's, that's true you know but anyway mm. listen joe i've got to go and okay um, i shall uh, upload this uh, straight away and mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk again soon this has been the x and y podcast goodbye and good night from london